And I love that song because it reminds us that the strength that we have doesn't come from us. That we're weak and we need God, we need His Spirit, we need Jesus. And I'm just... Ever since that song came out, I just, I just love that, that song because it's this reminder where we get to give praise and worship where it's due, yet a reminder that I don't have it all figured out, that I don't have control of it all, and that God is faithful. Um, I want to pray for us. Um, Actually, I want to do this. I want to share a couple of things that we have going on. We're going to pray, and then we'll dive into the message. Um, October 15th, which is next Friday, uh, we at 7 p.m., there, the women's ministry is hosting a worship service here. 7 p.m., going to be a great night. We've got to have a guest speaker coming. She's going to bring a great message and um, talk, and the worship is just going to be good. So, ladies, if you haven't already uh, made plans to do that, please do. Gentlemen, I got nothing for you. Um, Rejoicing Spirits uh, worship service will be happening October 16th, 4 p.m. That is on Saturday in the afternoon. Uh, If you haven't, maybe think about coming to that. And then we have a marriage conference that is happening on October 22nd and 23rd. You can register um, at troycc.org forward slash marriage conference. So um, with that, let me just pray for our time together. Father... Um, as, we, as we gather together today, and as we dive into your word, and continue the story of Joseph, Father, I pray that our eyes will uh, see what it is that we need to see, that our ears will hear, that our hearts will receive the challenges that you would bring to us that we would be able to see you more clearly, see what you have for us in our own lives, and see what you have been up to all of these years. And God, we just uh, thank you for Jesus. We pray a blessing over our time together, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, If you're watching at home on the stream, good morning. My name is Drew, and uh, I'm the discipleship minister here. And we've been going through this the series on Joseph. And Joseph's story is just a crazy, crazy roller coaster. I don't want Joseph's life at all, <laughs> to be honest. And I feel like as we continue through the story, we just got to keep remembering what, what has come before because it all just keeps building and building and building. And so Joseph is the most loved of a group of brothers. The brothers are not pleased about this. They fake his death, sell him into slavery, which takes him to Egypt. In Egypt, he finds himself at the uh, at Pharaoh's house, or excuse me, at Potiphar's house. He's put in charge of everything, and life goes good. But Joseph happens to be a man who is handsome. The Bible says, and Potiphar's wife takes notice. Some inappropriate accusations are made. Joseph not having done what was said about him. uh, But nonetheless, he gets arrested. He gets thrown into prison where he then is put in charge of the prison. Because God is always with him and is always faithful to him. Some dreams from some officials of Pharaoh's happen. He, through God's power, interprets them. He hopes to be let out and then he doesn't. 
But then he does. <laughs> when, another, when Pharaoh starts having dreams, Joseph helps him, he interprets them, and then he's put in charge of Egypt because a famine's coming. And then last week, we got to see that Joseph's brothers show up in Egypt. Talk about the roller coaster. Like Joseph was sold into slavery, probably expecting to never see them again. And then all of a sudden, here are his brothers. And we won't go through the whole story again, but through some trickery, some hiding of silver, some hiding of a silver cup, all of these things, Joseph ends up with, we're, we're left in the story from last week with Judah begging, Judah being one of his brothers, begging and pleading that he be kept instead of Benjamin, the youngest, because of what it will do to their dad, Jacob. And I don't know about in your life, but in my life, I've not experienced anything that crazy. But I have seen a lot of things in my life that actually made me the person I am today. That God used these different aspects of my life to sort of change course, if you will. Like, I I think back to when I was younger and I was trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life. Um, We didn't start so early as we do nowadays. (laughs) It wasn't until like 17 where I was like, what kind of job am I going to get? Am I going to go to college, right? But I always thought I might, I'm either going to do physical uh, athletic training because my dreams of the NBA were sadly dashed on the moment of my birth. Um, (laughs) Did not get tall enough, nor do I jump very high. Um, And so I thought, well, if I could be around athletics, that'd be cool. And if you're in medicine, you make lots of money, right? So let's just, uh, let's maybe go that route. And then when I was seven, on a good Friday, I was in Lexington, Ohio, and I was on a bike with my, uh, I was on a bike with my cousin, or we were both on bikes. We were going down a hill behind what would have been the junior high in Lexington, or maybe it was elementary school, one of them. And as we're going down this hill, some reason, and I can't remember, I was seven, I didn't turn, and I ran into a metal dumpster, like the one we got out there, with my face. Just smashed it. My, my aunt said she could hear the impact from up the hill <laughs> where her house was. Had to have surgery, bring down my, my gums, went up into my nose. These are all fake teeth. They brought it down, surgery. Had snaggled tooth as my nickname for a lot of years, um, which... You know, it's always fun. Kids are good. Uh, Then I started thinking about orthodontics (laughs) because I spent a lot of time in orthodontics chair. I'm like, this seems like I could do this, right? But then I go to to Milligan. I go to a a Christian college, and I, neither one of those things are an option. And so I just was undeclared my freshman year because I don't know what I want to do with my life. And then I had a summer where uh, I, went, I went through a bad breakup at the end of my freshman year. And I had this summer where God and I, it felt like we spent all summer together. And when I came back to Milligan, the <laughs> counselor said, hey, listen, unless you want to be here for like six years, you should probably declare something so you can do something that will be helpful to your degree. And I said, I think that's youth ministry. Now, I would have never gotten to my profession based on a bike accident in Lexington, Ohio. That was not like on my list of guesses of how my life would go. 
And I imagine if you look back over your own life, that you can paint a picture, if you can zoom out, you can see what God has been doing in your own life and that he has been faithful even in these moments that are painful, even in these seasons where you don't know what's going on. And that's really what is laid out in Joseph's life as well. So we're going to be in in Genesis 45 today. And we're going to read through the chapter. We're going to unpack the different pieces. So if you want to, uh, there's Bibles in front of you. If you're here in the room, you can uh, open up your phone or iPad or whatever you have. But we're going to read through Genesis 45. See the next piece of the story. And the crazy part is this isn't like the end of the story. Joseph's story just is just crazy and, and just amazing. And today I want us to be thinking about how has God been faithful in our own lives? Because he... He, does some, he just does some great stuff for Joseph, but it is a reminder that he is faithful. So, chapter 45, verse 1, it says this. So we were left on the scene where they're begging and pleading to not keep Benjamin, take any of the other brothers, don't take the youngest. And Joseph, it says this, it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified of his presence. Let's just pause here. Let's just pause and soak in what, what, what is happening. So Joseph can't take it anymore. He clears the room, tells all the servants to go out, and he looks at his brothers and says, I am Joseph. And they are terrified. And for good reason, right? They sold him into slavery. Like the younger brother that they sold into slavery all of a sudden is the second most powerful person in Egypt, and here they stand before him. If he wanted to, he could have probably had them killed, and that would be it. So they are terrified. On the funny side of things, I get this mental image, and this, and some of you know, this is how my imagination goes. When Joseph reveals himself, I feel like it's just that Scooby-Doo moment where they would always pull the mask off. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's him, like, like it's, it's me, I'm Joseph, right? Because they wouldn't have recognized him because he would have been taken into the Egyptian culture. He would have been changed the way he looked, all of that sort of stuff. And so he's like, it's me. And the first question he asks is, is dad alive? Is dad okay? It's just this, this amazing moment. Continue on, continuing on, verse four. Uh, then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. 
So Joseph, so let's just be honest. If I'm Joseph, I mean, I know he, put, he, put, he hid the things in, the, 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 in their grain bags, and, and I know there's a little bit of like kind of getting at them in that moment, but I, I don't forgive, I don't, I, I don't think I forgive them as easily as Joseph does, if I'm just being honest. But Joseph's a better man than me, that's very clear. Because had I been sold into slavery by my brothers, I would have used all of that power that Pharaoh has now given me to exact revenge. But what does Joseph do? Not that, right? He says, don't be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Don't. Like, he's, just don't worry about it. Like, it's good. Like, look at me. I'm second in command of the strongest nation in the world right now. Like, you guys didn't think that was going to happen, right? I didn't think that was going to happen. And here I am. And then he says, but God sent me ahead. God was doing something. He was paying attention. He was watching out for his people. He was paying attention to Joseph's needs, Jacob's needs eventually. And so he says, don't worry about it. God sent me ahead to take care of things during this famine. Verse 8. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Just pause and soak that verse in. Joseph says to them, you didn't actually send me. No, 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 no. You didn't send me. God sent me here. That's a perspective change that we're going to talk about more in a little bit. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, ruler of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, your grand and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds, all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong uh, to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves and you, and you can see my brother Benjamin that, is, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in heaven, or, excuse me, in Egypt, and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers wept and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. The emotion of this moment for Joseph, it had all been riding on it. Can we just think about how he, there were these ups and these downs, there were these valleys, there were these high mountaintop experiences, there's these winding turns, and here he is, his father's still alive, his brothers are here, the emotion just pours out as he weeps over Benjamin, as he, as he kisses his brothers, because like, it's all coming together now. It's all coming together. 16, when the news reached Pharaoh, Pharaoh's palace, that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. 
Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and, and your families back to me. I give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this, take some carts from Egypt for your, your children and your wives and get your father to come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver five sets, and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread, other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. Hey, boys, I know we have a history of fighting <laughs> and selling people. <laughs> How about we just, you guys just be nice to each other on the, on the return trip. How about you not quarrel? Because, like, think about what just got said, okay? Jacob and all his family, they would have been nomadic in nature. They would have all of their, their cattle. They would have all of their... their um, belongings, and they would just move as needed. Pharaoh says, don't even bring that stuff because you get the best of Egypt. You guys get the prime places to live. The prime land. Live off the fat of the land is what he says. And so I'm also wondering if Joseph's just kind of like, hey, hey guys, can you believe how awesome this is? Like, there's no reason for you to fight on the way home. Don't. Like, Pharaoh just promised all this stuff to us. And maybe it's just a back-ended comment. <laughs> we don't know. Verse 25. Let's finish this out. So, they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. Uh, in fact, he is, he is ruler of all of Egypt. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jacob hearing this? My son is still alive. Oh, like, I gave up on that years. God, like, what are you up to? Like, he was dead. Like, that animal ate him. Like, I saw his clothes. I saw the blood. I saw all of these things. And then they go, oh, oh yeah, Dad. And he's, like, ruling Egypt. <laughs> what? God, what are you up to in this? Uh, let's see, Jacob was stunned, it says in uh, verse 26. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. So Jacob gets this unexpected gift that his son is still alive. And let's remember, the story is not done. <laughs> we still have a couple more weeks of this series, which is just amazing because God, God's at work throughout all of this. And I'm reminded that God is faithful to his people. God is faithful to his people. He's faithful to Joseph throughout this, even in the moments when it seems like there's no reason for, for Joseph to believe that. 
God is still at work. Nobody wants to be sold into slavery, but God was at work and he got sold into slavery to the nation that is the strongest, the most wealthy, the most powerful. And then through that series of events, he finds himself next to Pharaoh. All the while, a famine is coming. A famine is coming and he puts Joseph in the right spot to help make sure Egypt survives, but maybe actually more importantly, that Jacob and his family survive. See, one of the things that that we can see here, but we have to zoom out a little bit, is that God is keeping a promise right now. And this promise started with Abraham. Abraham promised or was promised by God that his family would be his, God's people. And he promises Abraham that if you could count the stars in the sky, if you could count the grains of sand on the seashore, that that will be how, how massive your descendants is. That, that is your family tree. But now we have to think about it. This famine comes. Jacob and his family, Joseph even says, will be destitute if they don't come. So not only here do we have God showing off, and I don't mean that in the negative term there, but showing how powerful he is by placing a member of this family that he's, got, he's made a promise to at the right hand of Pharaoh, but he's continuing to keep a, keep a promise that he made. And he does this throughout the Old Testament, right? Eventually, spoiler alert, Joseph and his family grow to be a lot of people because that's what God said would happen. And they get made slaves in Egypt. Then God gets them out. Then God gives them the promised land and he fights next to them. And in 1 Kings and 1 Samuel, we get to, and Judges and all of the, the Old Testament books, we get to see God continue over and over to keep this covenant that he has made with Abraham. Joseph's story is amazing. But we get to zoom out and we get to learn about who God is. We see this covenant that he is continuing to keep. And that's because God keeps his promises. You know if God says it, then it's going to happen. God promises Abraham that his people, his family, are going to be this people. If they die in Israel during, well, in the area that will be eventually Israel, during a famine, then he didn't keep his promise. So he's able to be faithful to Joseph, but he's also faithful to his word that he, made, that he promised Abraham all those years ago. It's just a beautiful picture. In first, first Psalms, in Psalms 145, verse 13, it says this. It says, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. He's faithful to his promises. And I'm sure there's moments if we, you know, I don't know how heaven's going to work. Um, but if we can get up there and we can ask some people that we've read about in this, in this book. If we can ask some people, like, Joshua, did you think... When you guys were just marching around that city, 
and just blowing trumpets and not ready to fight? Like, did you think the walls were going to fall? Or did you have a little, were you a little, I don't know. Or Moses, did you think that you were going to part some seas and lead some people out? And at any point, were you a little worried that God wasn't going to keep his promise? I don't know. But I know that there's often times in my own life when I need to be reminded of this, that God is faithful to his people and that God keeps his promises. Because more often than not, I, I remember that, but I still try to do something about it. Right? We, we, see, we see Joseph just hanging out. Just, he's, he, you know, he tried to remind them to tell, tell Pharaoh about the dreams. He makes that move. But other than that, he's just like, I'm, I'm just here and I'm kind of along for this ride. In my life often, I try to make things happen. And I forget that I have a God who is faithful. He doesn't need me to make things happen. He can do it all on his own. And when I look back over my life, I can see all of these different things that happen where God has been at work to get me to the place where he wants me. I, mean, I, didn't, I, I can just promise you, I didn't think at seven when I smashed my face into that dumpster, it would lead me to having this moment now preaching to you. Like that, that was not part of the plan. And there's a, plenty of things within scripture that I think a lot of the people there are just who experienced all of this just said, okay, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I trust you. You're faithful. You've always kept your word, even when it doesn't look like things are going to work out but I'll follow you. I'll be faithful as well. In Exodus 34, I've talked about this a lot of times, but I think it's, it's helpful. When God speaks about himself, we pay attention. And one of the things that God says in Exodus 34 is he's telling, uh, Moses asks him to come and he wants to see him. And God passes before Moses, and he, he, for like two or three verses, he talks about who he is. God speaks about who he is. And one of the lines that he says is that the Lord is abounding in love and in faithfulness. Like, that's what God says about himself. And when God says something about himself, we should probably pay attention. And so today, hopefully, this is just a reminder or maybe it's a moment for your, where this season has been really rough and you're, you haven't been sure whether, whether God is still there or whether he's still faithfully walking alongside you. But one thing I do know is that sometimes to see it, our perspective has to change. When we remember that God is faithful, our perspective can become God's perspective. When we remember that God is faithful, our perspective can become God's perspective. Look at what, what Joseph says here. And this is, just, this is just how it works in Joseph's life and, and I found in my own. Because he says in verse 8 of Genesis 45, he says, It was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph has found this perspective and understood the faithfulness of God, so he understands that what God has been up to is something that he's just along for the ride for. 
that he's going to attempt to be faithful in these moments. It's easier with time though, right? Anything that we've been through, it's easier to look back on and go, God, I I can see when you were at work. In the moments, it's a little difficult. But if we can have that perspective that God is faithful, then we can look at what, what situations we find ourselves in and we can go, okay, God, I think you're up to something. I pray you're up to something. How can I be faithful in the midst of that? I just think it's awesome to be able to look back and see God working. You know, oftentimes when, when we read the Bible, we kind of zoom into these stories, but it's awesome to be able to see what God has been doing over, over centuries and generations of this covenant. And some of you may be asking, not out loud, which I'm appreciative of, but you might be asking, okay, Drew, great, the, the old covenant, got it. God has been keeping that going. He has provided for Israel. He has bailed them out. He has saved them over and over. Um, most of us, this is just a guess, uh, are Gentiles. And that old covenant didn't apply to people who are not Jewish. So, like, what about us? And that's where Jesus comes in. And a verse that is super familiar, I, sh- I imagine, to most of us. In John 3.16, it says this. It said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What a beautiful promise. And actually, let's read that again, because I know for some of us, if you're like me, I've seen it at, you know, in between the uprights at a football game. I've uh, heard it all of my life. But sometimes that just comes in and it goes out and I don't even like process it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a beautiful promise because God is faithful. He keeps his promises. He's faithful to his people. And so when I read that and I see what Jesus has come to do, what Jesus came and did on this earth, I'm like, okay. This is still the promise that he made. He's going to have his people and he's going to love them and take care of them. And Jesus tells us that we are invited into that. So right now we're going to, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to just take some time of communion. Because this is actually where Jesus talks about this new covenant. When he's meeting with his disciples at the Passover meal. And they're doing this Passover meal and they're remembering what God did in Egypt. They're remembering how God got them out of that situation. Jesus takes some bread and he takes some wine and he makes this statement that Luke records in Luke twenty two twenty, and it says this, it says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus knew that the cross was going to extend that old covenant, but it was going to make it available to everybody. 
This new covenant has been created. And so in a lot of ways, we get to be, we get to be part of that. Joseph, centuries and centuries and centuries ago, was a part of it. And we get to be a part of it today. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But that sacrifice also illustrates God's faithfulness throughout all time to his people. So right now, I want us to just take some time. We're going to just take some time to just kind of think, process, pray, meditate. I just want you to think about the thankfulness, or excuse me, the faithfulness that God has shown you over these years. Maybe it's in a recent season. Maybe you can just see it so well pictured over your entire life. But let's just take just a few moments and then we will take communion together. Let's take the bread. Reminder, Jesus' broken body, his battered body, the sacrifice that he gave for you and for me. And then let's take the cup. A reminder of the blood that was shed on the cross for you and for me. it's interesting at times get to this point in a message and the question is kind of now what? Because sometimes there's very specific things that we need to do and the spirit moves and forces us to think about them and engages us in them. Sometimes that simply is like we need to remember. We need to have this mentality Today, I don't know what the, what the step is for you, but I would just challenge you to think through your life this week. Think through how God has been faithful, how one thing different might have changed the whole course and 
of your life, but that God was walking next to you, that he was helping you, that he was being faithful, he was keeping his promises. Sometimes our perspectives just have to change. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing together. I'll be in the back if you need to talk, if you need to pray, if you got a question, if you need to talk about uh, what it means to give your life to Jesus, any of those kind of things. Um, would love to talk to you back there. So let's pray. Father, we cannot say thank you enough for how faithful you are to us. God, we are thankful for the examples within your word of the times that you have just been faithful to your people. And Lord, thank you that you do it even when we don't deserve it. God, we thank you for Jesus and what his, his life, his example, his ministry, what that means to us, what it means to the world. Father, help us to have your eyes. Help us to see our lives and the, and the seasons that we're in and the, and the things that we've been through. Help us to have your perspective on things. Help us to have your heart so that we can continue to grow and be transformed to be more and more like your son. And Father, help us put our faith into action so that we can be your people who are on mission and who are doing what you called us to do. Thank you again for your faithfulness. Thank you for keeping your promises. And we just pray all of these things in Jesus' powerful